just know this. You are loved unconditionally by God. That's what these words are meant to convey to you. God's grace and his peace and his mercy, his love. They are yours in our Lord and our Savior, Jesus. We're going to look at the gospel lesson for this morning. I'd like to lift up again just verse 21 of Luke chapter 12. This is how it will be with anyone who stores up things for himself, but is not rich toward God. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, may these words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, you who are our strength and our rock and our redeemer. Amen. In some ways, you've got to admire the man. I mean, he's, he's wise, he's responsible, he has a thriving farm. And that means he has to have a good work ethic. Those of you involved in the farming industry, you know you don't get a thriving farm without the sweat and the blood, do you? And he's a planner. And he looks ahead in order to make sure that tomorrow and the day after, there'll still be something on the table. You've got to admire somebody who has the the foresight and somebody who has the discipline to plan ahead to save for the future. And yet Jesus calls this man a fool. What makes someone a fool? Isn't it when they choose, they choose to ignore the obvious? Isn't it when they believe something to be true, even though it is not true, and then live as though it was true? What did this man in Jesus' story believe, even though it wasn't true? He believed that he was the only person who mattered, that it was all about him. He believed that he had life under control because of how much he had set aside for the future. He believed there was no God. There is no mention of God in his mindset or in his conversation. And he believed that he was a self-made man. Because he believed all of that in spite of none of it being true, that's why Jesus calls him out for being a fool. Listen once again to what this man was thinking and believing. He thought to himself, What shall I do? I have no place to store my crops. Then he said, this is what I will do. I will tear down my barns and build bigger ones. And there I will store all my grain and my goods. And I'll say to myself, you have plenty of good things laid up for many years. Take life easy. Eat, drink, and be merry. 
So, how many other people did this man, how many people did this man talk over and consult with regarding his plans? List is pretty short, isn't it? Just himself. And exactly how many other people were in his plans in terms of, of benefiting and enjoying what he had? Again, the list is pretty short, isn't it? Just himself. And who did he give credit to for all he had? Once more, the list is mighty short, isn't it? Just himself. Did you happen to count how many times he referred to himself in his little talk? By my count, 12. 12 times. One more question concerning this man. Exactly in reality, how much did he have saved up for his future? Hmm? Enough about him. How about us? How much do we have saved up for the future? How much do you have saved up? How much do I have saved up for the future? It's pretty, it's pretty easy, isn't it, to get caught up in the same stuff that this rich, foolish farmer got wrapped up in and, and, and consumed with? I mean, isn't it possible that you and I have, have set our security and sense of security over our future in terms of how much we have saved up in the bank and how big our IRA is? Do we take the future for granted? As though it's a, it's a done deal, I have, tomorrow. How much do you have saved up for the future? How rich are you? My hunch is that your first reaction to that question is to think about your bank account. Now, if that isn't true of you, okay, good. But if it is, it might just be an indicator that there is some of what lived in that rich, foolish farmer living in you. By the way, did you happen to notice that he doesn't have a name? That's tied to the fact that he's got nothing saved up for the future. In fact, it's tied to the fact that he doesn't even have a future. At least not one that anyone would want to look forward to if it was theirs. Here's one more question for you. It's essentially inherent in all of the parables that Jesus told. 
He tells each of the parables in such a way so that you and I can insert ourselves into the story and ask ourselves whatever the question is being asked in that particular parable. And I believe the question for this particular parable is this. Even as Jesus in the parable singles this man out and has God coming to him and saying, tonight your soul will be required of you. And then who will get everything you have? I think the question of the parable is this. What would God say to me if I put myself into this parable? What would he say to me? Would he know my name? Do I have a future? Well, how have you saved for the future? Would you consider yourself, would you count yourself to be rich toward God? What is that anyway? What is it to be rich toward God? Well, before we answer that question, let's go back to the foolish farmer one more time and ask one, this question. In reality, isn't this the truth that he just didn't see? That everything he had, everything he had, the great farm, the wonderful crops, the gift of life itself, that what he failed to see, that it was all a gift, a gift from God. And it was. It was all a gift from him. He wasn't self-made. He was grace-made. And the tragic thing about it is, even though, even though he's just a fictitious character, the tragic thing about him and his life is this, that just as God gave him all of those material blessings as a gift, so God wanted to give him the gift of being rich toward God. He wanted to give him that. And for us, for our, our reading this parable and inserting ourselves into this parable, that truth is nothing short of being good news. You can be rich toward God because like everything else you have, go ahead, empty your pockets, check the accounts, feel your heart beating, because like everything else you have, it is a gift. A gift from God. You see, being rich toward God, that's a matter of grace. Now, I, I know you've heard me uh, give this definition of grace before, but it's a good one. Using the word grace. What is it? It is God's riches at Christ's expense. Grace makes you rich 
toward God. Listen to these words from Ephesians chapter 1 as to how God has given you the gift of being rich toward God. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love he predestined us to be adopted as his children through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will to the praise of his glorious grace which he has freely given us in the one he loves. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, in accordance with the riches of God's grace that he lavished on us with all wisdom and understanding. And then if you read on into Ephesians chapter 2, for it is by grace that you are saved, and this not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. And all we need to do is believe it. And the gift is ours. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son that whoever believes in him should not, would not perish, but have everlasting life. And even the gift of that, that action of believing, that's a gift too, given to us in our baptism, which is why it says of baptism in Scripture this, baptism also now does save us. It's a gift he gives you time and again every time you hear God's word. Romans 10, verse 17, faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. You've been given the gift of being rich toward God. You are rich in his forgiveness. You are rich with his peace. You are rich with his presence in your daily life. You are rich with the privilege of prayer. And you are rich because you are his child and heir of everlasting life. You have heaven. And you can't get any richer than that. And he knows your name from Isaiah. I have called you by name. You are mine. And as Jesus once told his disciples, rejoice in this, that your names have been written in heaven. So let's back up to this foolish farmer, rich farmer, one more time and, and ask this one more question. Do you think, do you think that his life would have looked any different if he would have only believed the truth that everything he had was a gift from God. I kind of think so. I don't think he would have made the parable, actually. 
in light of the future you have in Christ. You are rich toward God. Isn't he calling you to live a life that looks completely different from a life that's lived in a world that's wrapped up in materialism and the pursuit of things for self in order to live to use the gifts God has given you in service to him by sharing those gifts with others. Jesus once described what this looks like, this kind of life that is lived with saving in the future and for the future in mind in this way. He said, do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moth and rust do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. We pretty much heard Paul echo the same thing that Jesus said in today's New Testament lesson. Since then you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Here's your treasure. This is how you become rich toward God. Spend time in this every day. Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Set your minds on things that are above. The Lord's Supper is celebrated often here. Come and be a guest each time at that table of, of forgiveness and peace and the strengthening of the assurance of everlasting life. That's what it is to save for the future. Where your treasure is, that's where your heart will be also. Set your minds on things above. Your treasure is here. Remembering your baptism. Because it was in baptism, it was that moment that it all began. That God opened up an eternal savings account for you with your name on it. Remember your baptism. Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Set your minds and hearts on, on things above. That's how you save for the future. That's how to live, not relying on things, but rather relying on grace. Psalm 65, verse 11. I heard it on the way over here this morning. It just jumped out at me. Speaking of coming to God's house, we are filled with good things of your house. That's how you become rich toward God and stay rich until life everlasting. 
And may the peace of God that passes all understanding keep your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus unto life everlasting. Amen.